Well, hi again, everyone. I'm Mark Renee, and this is Play by Play with me. It's volume one. It's episode six. And my guest today is the immortal Dave Sims, a guy who has done just about everything. You know, if there was a cycle for sports media and then some, this guy has completed it. Electronic journalism, print journalism, radio, TV, satellite, college, NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball, and now he is the voice uh, going on year, I think, 14, fingers crossed, with the Seattle Mariners. Dave Sims, thanks for stopping to play-by-play with me. Hey, Mark, good to to be with you. Thanks for for the time. I appreciate it. So, you know, it's kind of interesting. Uh, Our circles have... uh, been concentric for many years. You're a Philly native. <laughs> right. I'm a Philly native. We both Where went to from college. Uh, born at Albert Einstein in Northeast. Get out! Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, uh, Lankinoff for me. Lankinoff Hospital. Yeah, I didn't live there very long, but uh, we were on uh, 10th Street in Northeast, right across the street from the Mrs. Smith's Bakery. Oh my goodness! Oh, Ooh, good mm, pies, good I apple can pies. Still smell. The, but uh, I'm, a bit, I'm still a big pies. Tasty Cake guy. Tasty Cake Butterscotch Crimpets. I've never been a Butterscotch guy. <laughs> never, 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 never. Butterscotch raisins, uh, dried cranberries. Never <laughs> did it for me. So listen, um, you're in New York City. You are right in the heart of what is happening uh, for the last month now. And you were at spring training with the Mariners in Arizona when everything got shut down. First of all, how difficult was it for you to get home to New York? Well, we were lucky. Um uh, we got to Zona on the 19th of February. We bugged out on the 13th of March. Um, and it was interesting because my wife originally, you know, when it, things really started to heat up because Seattle was the original epicenter, uh, you know, of the pandemic. And my wife said, uh, my, my kid said, Mom, you need to go home. So she was ready to go home. And then on the 12th, that's when Major League Baseball shut it down. I was able to get on her flight. Right. Uh, and we got in, but it was really weird, boy. You get to JFK, and it was a freaking ghost town. Uh, it was, it was. I mean, I was like, "What is this? A bad movie or something?" And uh, and then you come into the city, the traffic wasn't much, and boy, it's minimal even. And now it's really minimal. Jeez, it, it's it's eerie. It really is. Yeah. What do you see when you look out your window on what should be a busy time of day? Oh, right. I mean, I'm in Midtown. I mean, it's a beautiful day. Um, usually it's a reasonably, uh, heavy, you know, the pedestrian traffic is usually really good. We got, it's a bus, uh, East West bus street. Um, and usually this time of the day, there's cars, you know, trucks making deliveries. It's quiet. And I mean, it got so much, I was actually listening for the birds. It's like, I hope the birds haven't won, uh, gone yet. Um, it, it's, it's totally eerie, man. It really is. Yeah. Uh, we're with Dave Sims. I mentioned uh, if there's a uh, an electronic or a sports media cycle, this guy has completed it. Um, got out of college in West Virginia, but not at West Virginia, right? It was a smaller right. school. Little, yeah, Little Bethany College, a little D3 school. Played football there for a year, baseball for two. And uh, what was the other thing? Oh, and I did uh, radio. I did a lot of radio. Wow, did a lot of radio, and also uh, wrote for the newspaper. I had a nice run there where I was sports editor of the newspaper and sports director of the radio station. So, so if I remember correctly, now I I remember you going back to the old WNBC and mm-hmm. Sports Night. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, Art Rush Jr. was the king 
of uh, New York sports talk, probably 77, 78. Right. Into, he was up the dial at ABC. Yeah, he was at ABC at 77. And then I, when Jack Spector was doing a sports night at WNBC, you know, hey, we're going to talk about the Mets and the Yankees coming up. But right now, let's play Billy Joel, my life coming up right now. Right here, WNBC. You know, that whole thing. Uh, short life, that didn't last. And then uh, I got in there in uh, March of 86 and took that right to the end when NBC got out of the radio business, you know. Well, it's funny. Um, I think you worked with my buddy Pat Harris for a few years, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did a lot of reports for us. He did a lot of weekend stuff for us. Yeah, good so man. I'll tell you a really funny story. So there was a quarterback in the late 80s at Rutgers named Scott Ernie. Oh, yeah. And Pat one night was filling in for you and did a tease of an interview that was coming up with Scott Ernie. But yeah, he yeah. Called him, but he called him Mark Ernay. <laughs> And I still have the tape somewhere on a cassette of Pat Harris oh, introducing beautiful. me as his guest, even though I was living 200 miles away on the eastern shore of Maryland at the time. That was uh, the summer of 89. I got a kick out of that. But uh, just to complete the um, the bio, if you don't mind, um, before even WNBC, New York Daily News, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, for seven years. Yeah. Doing some weekend sports on Channel 2. Um, Were yeah, you back I, at Warner I, I, at the time or was he already? Well, uh, let me I, First, I was over there twice, twice I think, uh, 90, 91, 91, 92, filling in for Warner. Okay. And, and then, uh, and before that one, I was still at WNBC Sports, and I filled in for Len, Sal, and Marv on occasion. Oh, right. And then in 95 to 98, I was at, um, I was at Channel 2 uh, doing weekends, weekend sports and uh, and uh, weekday reporting. And then, remember, they had the big uh, blowout during the Yankee uh, playoff? They sacked everybody except me in about right. know, oh, geez, another percentage yeah. of people. Yeah, that was crazy. And how'd you wind up at FAN? Uh, let's see, FAN. I got there September 89. And uh, they put put me together with uh, Ed Coleman. And my, my agent at the time, who since passed away, Steve Lefkowitz, did a really good job uh, searching out things. And I remember uh, FAN was still in its nascent stages. Right. I mean, they started in July of 87. Yeah. And by the time they got to 89, they were still looking for combos to, to make things work. I think they'd have gone through Lamps. Lampley had been in the morning. Greg Gumbel had been in the morning. And then they got Imus, and that turned everything around. And, and then uh, they put Eddie and me together in the middays. Coleman and the Soul Man. How did you feel yeah. about that moniker? I, I wasn't wild about it, but it stuck. Uh, Larry Kenny, who is uh, one of the great comics and, vo- and one of the primo voiceover guys in the industry, and he was on, on Imus's team, and he, I don't know, he walked by when they were heard it, and he says, hey, yeah, the, it, the cold man and the soul man, and, and it stuck. It, it stuck. Is it wrong that my lasting memory of Larry Kenny is bowling for dollars? No, it's not. I, that's right. <laughs> and, and the other thing he did, he did was, uh, he did a lot of cartoon voices. Mm-hmm. And I think Thundercats was one of them. And my oldest son, man, when he was four or five years old, that was his deal. That was his jam, boy. I'll tell you what, Thundercats, Thundercats, ho! And Larry, one time, he he recorded something. He says, uh, hey, Jared Sims, happy birthday to you. And this is Lionel from from the Thundercats. His eyes got as big as the Empire State Building. So make sure you tell your dad, Dave Sims, to buy you all the neat Thundercat toys that are out on the market. That's happy funny. birthday. I said, gee, Larry, thanks. He was cameo before cameo. <laughs> yes. Good call. good call. Yeah. So let's see. Uh, FAN, you had ESPN, you had Westwood One and CBS Radio. You were doing college basketball. You were doing the NFL, uh, Sunday night football, a bunch. Um, eventually, uh, 
Fox Sports 1 college basketball still. Yeah, That's we, where I ran into you, I think, at the Rock for a Seton Hall game a couple of years ago. Yes, yes. I think it's the, the fourth, something like the, what were you, 19, about the fourth or fifth year with Fox uh, doing the Big East. Yeah, I got a great relationship with the Big East dating back to when I did Temple football in 1990. Right. And then February 91 went over and started doing a lot of Big East basketball and some ESPN basketball. And it's great being back with those guys. A lot of the same people are still around from um, from those days. I think I took that – I did Big East football and basketball up to about – 07, 08-ish, and then there was a gap, and then yeah. I've been back the last few years. And the strangest coincidence is that uh, my buddy Rob DeVita, the sports information director at St. Francis Brooklyn, yesterday tweets out this memory, a Ron Ganulin <laughs> halftime speech, right, in a game against, I think it was the, the Battle of Brooklyn. They were playing LIU. Yeah, it was an LIU game. Yeah, I remember. And so Ganulin is doing clip. his chalkboard thing at halftime, and in, in the doorway you see his future boss and then assistant Glenn Bryka so I took a screenshot and put it up, and then I play out the video, and it was you doing the game. Yeah, and I got such a kick out of that. The timing was so strange. And it was unreal. I saw that clip, and I think I was working. I bet I was working with Tim Capstraw on that game. On that game, and that was the NEC game of the week. I did that for a while. Good lord, what, man, that's a while ago. What the heck was it? That had to have been late '90s, probably. Yeah, probably was. It was that's probably, about right. Probably. Yeah, 98, yeah. 99, I think they said. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right, yeah. Man, time flies. Time flies. And then you wound up, and this is your full-time gig when it's in season, obviously, and we're, fingers crossed, hoping to start maybe in a month or two, but Seattle Mariners, how does Dave Sims, a Philly guy, New Yorker, way of New York. <laughs> wind up as far away from New York as almost humanly possible for Major League Baseball? Well, it wasn't for lack of trying, started, uh, trying to stay close to the I-95 uh, corridor, I can tell you that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, as you know, in this business, it's about, in any business, it's about connections. And there's a guy that, uh, a matter of fact, he's my boss now, but he had gone to school at Syracuse with my brother-in-law back in my WNBC days. They were at the Cuse. And they asked, and they were radio guys, and they asked me to do some liners for him. And that's how I met this guy. And I see him again in like 0405 with him when I'm with uh, ESPN. I did I did a, some ESPN baseball out there a couple of games. So now you flash forward another few years, and that's one of the tapes I have. And we sent that tape in, went out and got an interview. interview Dave Niehaus interviewed me on you know, the Hall of Fame broadcaster. And next thing I know, I beat out 100 guys, and I've been there since uh, 07. Wow. Wow. So Niehaus, you got to work with him for a little while. Yeah, you know, I didn't really work that much with him on the air because, you know, he was, you know, the major domo, the, the original voice of the, Mar right. of the Mariners in 77. So when I got there and Ron Fairley had retired mm -hmm. and that's what created the opening. And so I would do, or I would open up on radio with Rick Riz, the high Hawaiians, set the lineup, right. throw to the uh, manager's uh, uh, interview and then, uh, and then and we're ready to play ball. Time to play ball. Here's Rick Riz. And then I would do color yeah. for three innings. And then in the fourth, you know, I'd pick up my, my, you know, my scorebook and my whole, you know, bag and everything. And Niehaus would do the same thing on the TV side where he started. We'd pass each other in the hallway. And if we'd be losing 10 nothing or something, he'd go, ah, this really sucks. Yeah, you're right, Dave. And then I'd get on TV and, Hey everybody, Dave Sims starting with Mike Flowers and blah 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 mm -hmm. blah blah. And unfortunately, you know, Dave passed away in 2010. So yeah. doing largely most of my work has been on TV since then. And you're still 
keeping a hand in college basketball. You're doing the Sirius XM show with Coach K. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. 15 years. Where the heck did that go? Man, wow. oh man. And our last, last show, how about this? You'll appreciate this. We had, Amer- as, as Mike called him, America's point guard, Dr. Tony Fauci out of Regis High School in Manhattan. No kidding. It was our, we had him on for, what did we do? We did 25 minutes with him, I think the first week of this month. And okay. it was it was outstanding and what a what a gentleman and obviously a scholar and and right now probably the mvp of the whole country yeah i was gonna say he's become a rock star this last two months oh, right and when they, you know when he's not up on when they do their their updates and he's not on the podium everybody's he's he on twitter said what the hell's fauci we right. good what's going on hey, uh, we, yeah, yeah, is yeah. he okay well, we call it play-by-play with me. I am the me, obviously, my initials. The play-by-play provided by my guests. And, uh, well, you don't have much play-by-play to do these days, Dave Sims. So how are you passing the time? Yeah, I get my work out here in this room. <laughs> we got a bike going to be delivered today. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of reading. I've been catching up on a lot of people on TV. And, and thank goodness for Zoom. Now, the folks at Zoom, a big salute. Mm. Uh, they're keeping America connected. Boy, I'll tell you what, it's unbelievable. And um, I, there was, I haven't done, let's say I, I've been binging, I binged on a, that stupid Tiger King thing, which is you can't take your eyes off it. I haven't started the, yet. The, the CBS show, it's on streaming now, The Good Fight, which is the sequel to The Good Wife, right. which uh, is fabulous. We, yeah. and, and we we went back to season one, I think we're up to season, late in season two. So I've been binging on that. And then there was a stretch there. I was really, I, I wanted to listen to some baseball. I called up on youtube as you know it's a big it's a, yeah, so what a what a resource i was looking for scully's scully and red barbers call 55 game seven world series right. dodgers beat beat the yankees couldn't find it but i got the mutual broadcast so i listened to that all two i was two hours and 18 minutes and then there's a couple of documentaries the babe ruth documentary the shot heard around the world and then i had a conversation with a buddy of mine in st louis mike claiborne who does cardinal games and he said something about Gibson in the 64 World Series. So I found the 64 World Series pack uh, film, which is about 45 minutes. Oh, wow. And then I watched the 65, the Yom Kippur series with Mr. Koufax, mm-hmm. where they beat Minnesota in seven games. They beat, uh, it was a great pitching matchup in the final game, Kitty and uh, Jim Cott and uh, Koufax. I yeah. Think. It was 2 one nothing or 2-1 uh, Dodgers. Two-and-a-half-hour World Series game. So huh? that, that's basically it. And I got a lot of – what a concept – Two and a half hours, usually. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to T-Mobile Park. And, you know, I'm saying to myself, two and a half hours in, we're in the fourth inning. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Um, What are you missing the most? Obviously, your day job calling Mariners games is at the top of the list. But, I mean, aside from that, what are you missing the most under quarantine? Yeah, the rhythm and routines of baseball and just the daily, you know, the the workers in this, like when we're at home, people that work in a ballpark a guy named ray who's the attendant outside the mariners uh clubhouse uh i can't remember i can never remember the guy's name outside the visiting clubhouse but i talked to those guys uh the clubbies on our on our side and on the other side i miss all those guys i miss the camera guys upstairs obviously my broadcast partners and just the just the work of preparing for a game setting up your scorecard and you know, checking the notes that I had made earlier that morning and now applying them and, and, and positioning them in front of me on my, you know, the workspace that we have. And we have a great workspace at yeah. T-Mobile. 
So yeah. that whole thing, and Robbie, our, my stage manager, and Chris, our stat guy, and Bubba, our sound guy, our day two. So I miss, you know, that whole, all that interaction that you do every day uh, when you're at home. And then, and then when you're on the road, you know, I get to know a lot of these guys, a lot of the same faces on the road all the time, in every right. city. So it's nice catching up with people, especially, you know, the towns that we only go to once. So it's like, it's a big, hey, how are you, how you doing? What's going on as a family? Hey, you know, that whole thing. And that's, it's a whole, I'd like to consider myself a people person. So uh, that's the thing I miss most. And, and, and thankfully, my wife and I still, <laughs> we're still happily married. And my, one of my sons is still here. So we're, uh, you know, it, that dynamic is it continues to roll along. Before we move on, I have to get back to the bike. Are you getting a Peloton? Yes, sir. All Boom. right. Right there. All do right. any we'll minute exchange now. information. I'll see you on the bike. Yeah, yeah. Do any minute now, as a matter of fact. <laughs> I'm actually doing, they have a tour de Peloton. It's, no way. It's one ride with each instructor. There are 23 instructors. I'm doing the right. baby version. Five minutes with 19 of them. Uh, it's three 10-minute rides. And Christian Vandeveld, the former professional Tour de France guy, he only yeah. has half hour or longer. Oh, my God. So, But it's still, it's two back. hours and 50 minutes, back to back to back to back. And you're not supposed to stop. You're not supposed to take a potty break or anything. Wow. And I've been building up over the last couple of weeks, and I'm going to try this tomorrow. Good for you. So, yeah, shoot me a text. Let me know how you make out. Oh, yeah. yeah, actually, my uh, my Peloton screen name is the same as the show, PBP with me. So There we go. You'll be nice. able to find me. That's good. As, as a friend of mine would say, that's good intel. Yeah, I've, I've had this thing now uh, two and a half years. My uh, my wife, when I first decided I wanted to get it, she said, no way, it's going to turn into a glorified coat rack. And I actually wrote up a contract <laughs> when we got it. And I said, uh, you know, outside of injury, illness, or act of God, if I'm not on for at least half an hour a day, I put $5 in a jar. Well, there are a lot of $5 bills in the jar. <laughs> but... She's even on it now a couple of times a week. I experienced one when my kids were here. Uh, my other, my oldest son and his wife, and his wife had one, and we had it here, and I liked it. Uh, I did it a few times, and I, I did a recorded class. I haven't done a live class yet, right. but, boy, I'll tell you, they get after I really do. Yeah, there are some uh, – some of those instructors are very intense and some of them are very laid back, but uh, there is a great mix for everybody. And they're not doing live classes right now from New York, obviously, because of uh, the coronavirus. Sure. But they had just moved in on, I think, Friday the 13th or maybe the week after. They had just moved into their brand-new studios. Oh, my God. And they had I, to shut I have them a, down. James Lofton, a uh, Hall of Famer, a friend and – a former broadcast partner, yeah. he he threw a name at me. I got I wrote it. I can't remember right now, but uh, he said there's one. That's one instructor that he liked. He said he I recommend this guy to you. It was a French sounding name, Alex Toussaint. Boom, that's he's who it the is. Guy. Yeah, he's the guy that they that's they the put in most of the commercials too, because he's he's the highest of the higher energy guys. Yeah, he said you gotta. He says you gotta work. You work your way into that one. Yeah, All right, Alex Toussaint, thank you. All right, Peloton, we're talking about you. You gotta, uh, you know, throw me some love, um, Dave. I've always wanted to ask you this again. Philly guy, New York guy, now in the in the Great Northwest. Um, who were your broadcast idols growing up? Yeah, in Philly, that uh, that's easy. That's real, that's real easy. Uh, Bill Campbell. I always talk about Bill Campbell uh, because. Uh, I can remember we were Eagle season ticket holders uh, when I, oh God, I was a kid. 
five, six, seven years old. He was the voice of the Eagles. Then he did the Phillies when they, he was doing the Phillies when they collapsed in 64. Mm-hmm. And then he was doing the Sixers when Doc got there in 76 or 77, whatever the heck that was. But anyway, uh, I loved his energy. And locally, he was a guy that really, really got me going. Uh, and then, of course, nationally, uh, Kurt Gowdy, Joe Garagiola, mm-hmm. Garagiola, uh, Scully, uh, Enberg. I always liked the Enberg's energy, um, Scully's classiness, uh, Charlie, Charlie Jones's passion. I got to work with Charlie Jones at the Olympics in 88 for NBC doing track and field. Uh, oh, yeah, during the Packers run in the 60s. I like the succinctness of uh, Ray Scott. Mm-hmm. Star, dollar, touchdown. And of course, <laughs> Pat Summerall took all of that, and, and he ran with it. So those are the guys that immediately come to mind. Harry Callis, that ball is out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Harry, who else? Um, yeah, when, when I, I used to hear about Marv when I was in college. I used to hear about Marv when he first when he first started and then I got to New York, I got to meet him and listen to him do uh, boy, his hockey is so good. And uh, matter of fact, didn't he do when the Rangers finally won it in yep, 94? Sure did. He did most of it. Matter of fact, how he threw it back to Marv to do the final call, right. the last period, I believe Indeed he did. Yeah. So uh, those are the guys, Jack Whitaker. I mean, I could go on. I mean, mm-hmm. there's, but those are, those are the main guys that come to my mind. Yeah. And, the- and I'm sure you're familiar with all of them. Oh, yeah. What's the best piece of advice you got on your way up? Prepare, uh, practice. Um, and then I know I know from um, who told me this. Oh, the, oh, another one, the late great Bob Wolf. Oh, he was um, the best. Oh, what, what a gentleman. I tell you what, you, you want to talk about a sweetheart and just a smart guy, Duke guy. Um, both, at, I learned this from my, my days at the Daily News, both clubhouses before the game. Both managers, if you can, uh, and at some point in the series, you got to talk to at least you know their type A. I mean, their you know their their superstar. You got to get something, some kind of quote, right, or some kind of insight from those guys. Um, and then from there, just let your your, your natural uh, curiosity take over, because you know certainly. Uh, and on TV, and you got enough gaps there. You want to be able to fill them. You don't, you know, you don't want to go wall to wall sound right. on TV and radio. You, you have to carry it, and you have to describe a lot more. But on TV, you've got you know avenues of opportunity to tell you know tell even more in depth stories than you do on radio. Yeah. So ergo, you know, you got to go down there as Parcells used to say, you got to shop for the groceries. <laughs> so, you know, so you got to, that's what I tell kids that all the time. And I, that, I have to tell Parcells that, that I use, use that quote like all the time. And it's so freaking true. Yeah. I mean, it's a, semi di- a little bit different context, but yet at the same time, it's the same thing, you know. Of all the sports that you've had a chance to call over the course of your career, what's, what's the one? That gets. I'm. I don't want to get you in trouble with the day job here, but what's the one event that you get up for that that really gets the juices flowing? Um. In, in any in any of the yeah sports, any of well, the ones that you've done. Well, you know, I I always love coming back to Yankee Stadium, uh, Fenway, uh, doing uh, the NCAA tournament was unbelievable. I did I did a, I don't know what the numbers, but I did a, a lot of uh, games regional finals that would send that winner to the final four. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember, <laughs> remember Patino and Louisville were at the pit and Albuquerque against West Virginia and West Virginia 
is smoking them in the first half. They must have hit 18 out of 23s. And Rick was like, what? WTF, you know? And they found a way to finally beat them in the second half. I thought that was going to – I think that was your – I'm pretty sure they went to the Final Four that year. Another year, Rick beat Billy Donovan. That was in, in – what was that? That was in Arizona, and Muhammad Ali was to my left. Mm. Uh, and then uh, I've, oh, I've done some a lot of conference championship games on mm-hmm. for Westwood. Um, that was uh, that was always good. I did a few with uh, New England, naturally. Uh, <laughs> AFC. I'm trying to like. Um, I remember I did a playoff game, the Freddie Mitchell fourth and twenty six game. I think it was the second week of the playoffs. I want to say 05 and uh, Packers at Favre and the Packers at McNabb and the, and the Eagles in Philly and the Eagles are about done. And they complete a fourth and 26 and mm-hmm. work with Jack Ham. That was a big one. So, and then the other big games that jump out of my mind at the 06, uh, George Mason beats Connecticut. Yeah, I wasn't going to bring that up. Are you, you're you kind of guy? Hofstra guy. What an, what an upset. Oh my God. That was unbelievable. And then the, the so far the, to this point, biggest game, most exciting, probably certain, uh, you know, important game was Felix Hernandez' perfect game, yeah. August 14 of 2012. That was unbelievable. Right. That was, that was tremendous. Yeah. I was geeked out of my mind. And I was, I went full Phil Rizzuto Homer mode uh-huh. coming down. John, Phil Rizzuto, John Sterling Homer mode coming down <laughs> the stretch. <laughs> Are you one of these guys? I say that with great love and appreciation. But but did you mention that it was a perfect game or did you do one of these script jobs? So freaking lootly, I was all over it because when you look at your scorebook and it's very symmetrical, one, two, three, one, two, three. As Marty Marty Glickman always said, you're telling a story. Scully, you're telling a story. You are a reporter. It is not your, your job to adhere to some dumbass jinx. And, you know, and I, and people got on me for the longest time, Doug Fister working on a, a no hitter here in the seventh inning. There's Nick Markakis to lead it off for the Orioles. There's the first pitch swung on base hit up the middle, right, right. through the leg with Doug Fister base hit. And there goes the no, no, like it was my right. freaking fault. fault. He threw a fastball right down the middle of the plate. <laughs> and Nick Markakis, a professional hitter, drilled it right through the five hole. That was my fault. Get the hell out of here. You know, it's funny. I did play. I remember distinctly, I played your call the morning after Felix's perfecto on 10-10 wins. I, oh, nice. Thank I, you. I circulated. I, I alternated between you and the uh, and, and the Rick call. Um, right. Both fantastic calls. I mean, listen, anytime I get, you know, screaming Mimi play-by-play, I'm, <laughs> I'm all over. But obviously, perfect game, you know, perfect game, a no-hitter, fourth home run. Yeah, yeah. Cycle, uh, buzzer, you know, I live for buzzer beaters in college basketball season. Right, exactly. And, you know, my one fear calling St. Francis is that I'm going to be on the mic on a Sunday game and we have a buzzer beater and I'm going to have to play me the morning after. Like, I don't want to do that. I don't <laughs> yeah, want to do that. Yeah, I hear that. you. You're, you're, you're a very good professional. That is a that is a good attitude. Good but I might you. not have a choice, you know, if it happens. You have yeah, to hey, it is what it is. If you're the only one, uh, I, you know, that, that had a recording of it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, who's been your favorite athlete to cover? Is there anybody that stands out like head and shoulders above? Well, because I've been at Seattle for so long and I had a good four-year run with uh, Nelson Cruz as a wonderful human being, let alone as a great player. I'm so glad you said that. Okay. I'll tell you why. 
I'll tell he, you why. He he is like. Um, hey, no, like, can you? I need to do a recording on the. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, no problem. Um, uh, hey, Nelly, can you do it? Yeah, yeah, okay, no problem. What time? Um, and you got a couple minutes. I need to ask you a couple of things about last night. What the hell happened? Yeah, yeah, no he's the best. He's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Then he goes out and puts up numbers year in and year out. And, you know, people say, hey, I got cut. He got banged with the. I don't care about that. Come on. At, at this point, I'm ready to put Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame. I mean, come on. Move on. Um, he, he's probably. You know, because I had the most contact with him for four years that right. he was with us. But I mean, there's a whole bunch. Uh, Tommy's a wonderful guy. I mean, there's so many. There's so many good guys out there. Trout's and you know, in that category. Yeah, I, I've been lucky. I've got to know a lot of these guys. The reason I wanted to find out about Cruz, you have this nickname for him. Oh yeah, Boomstick, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I, I just, I need to know, and I'm sure other people are oh. dying to know where did this come you, from. You will love this. As a historian of, of the electronic industry, remember Bob Slick Leonard, yes. Indiana Pacers, mm-hmm. great coach, tremendous personality. So Reggie Miller's with the with the uh, Pacers. Yeah, Reg and Mark Boyle was the one who may still be doing it, but don't play by play. He is another FAN okay. alum. Okay, right. yeah, exactly, exactly. Reggie in the corner from the deep corner, it's good. Boom, baby, said Slick Leonard. Right, so. Because he played in Texas, uh, Nelly took the name Boomstick from a hot dog that was about foot, two feet long and everything from the state of Texas on that sucker for $26. He huh. called himself Boomstick. So I don't know. He comes to us in 15, 15, yeah, 15. Okay. So I see. And his all his handles, NC23 Boomstick. I thought, ooh, we might have something here. I said, Slick Leonard used to go boom, baby. How about if I go boom, stick, baby? So I ran up by my two sons. I said, I'm thinking about this as a home run call. Because I basically is very organic and was telling right. some people around, like, mm-hmm. home run, just live for the moment. He says, oh, that's pretty cool. So I go in, because I, 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 we were in Seattle, I called back to my kids. And they both liked it. So then I go to Nelly. I said, hey, I'm thinking about using this as a home run call for you. You know, swing a drive along, way back, on back, boom, stick, baby, Nelson, Chris. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Was... <laughs> so we're in Oakland, and he just, he hits like a five iron that gets out in the yeah. blade. Here's, here's Nelly. That ball's hit hard. Left field. Boom, stick, baby. And Mike Blavis looks at me like with this WTF, <laughs> but yet smile look on his face. And he... So we go to break. I said, did you like that? It's my noise. He says, no, I like it. You got to use it. Nelly hits about eight or nine of them in April that mm-hmm. year. So I come into the clubhouse. We're back home. And he says, you got to let He gets his iPhone. He says, hey, hey, come here, come here, come here. You got to listen to this. Somebody did a mashup. He hit like six oh, home nice. runs. Out and he's gone. And all you hear is, here's Cruz. Oh, thank baby. Oh, thank baby. So there it is. It's probably his yeah. ringtone, too. <laughs> probably is. But he... I couldn't have been happier for for the guy, and I'm still angry that he's no longer with us with the ball club. Yeah. Um, if we get a season in, how do the Mariners do? We're super young. Um, I think we have four guys on the on the forty forty men roster. Yeah. We're thirty or older. The two leading guys in terms of experience and accomplishment: uh, D. Gordon and Kyle Seager. Um, and everybody else is in their twenties. Yeah, and everybody else is in is four, 
shoot, some of them, most of them haven't even played yet in the big leagues huh. or minimally like Vogelback. So um, I've seen projections anywhere from 60 to 69 wins. So, you know, we'll see. Um, yeah, remade bullpen, uh, remade um, – uh, sort of a remade starting rotation. I mean, Marco Gonzalez uh, is our one. We got Taiwan Walker coming off of uh, Tommy John. Mm-hmm. Justice Sheffield, uh, you know, still trying to trying to figure things out. I know I'm leaving somebody out, but uh, a very young team. But the thing that's interesting, a lot of these guys have come up together. They had a really good year, Double A, and they brought most of those guys up. The, the right. significant contributors. So they're going to get a chance, and, uh, and you know, like you said, hopefully, hopefully this year. I... Dave, I have to ask. I see a Muhammad Ali photo behind you. What's the story? He, um, well, obviously one of the heroes of, my, of our generation, and that's my my youngest son's uh, room. And I got that. I think I was either given that assigned Muhammad Ali, or, or I bought it. I can't remember, but I remember giving it to the kid, being like, "Oh man, that's great!" And I met him once, and. In uh, fight, playing uh, fight Bugner, I filled in for Dick Young. Okay, go up to uh, take the uh, the the excursion. You know, the bus, the press bus up to uh, was the Deer Lake in yep. uh, the poker mm-hmm. And uh, I walked in there, and there he is. He's sparring. He comes over the ropes, and I he leaned over, and I looked up. I say, hey, champ, Dave Sims filling in for Dick Young. How you doing today? I was scared to death. Man, just another black guy trying to make a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> this is freaking Muhammad Ali, man. I'm because you know I've been to. I went to the the third Norton fight at Yankee Stadium. I was at the Shavers fight at the Garden. Saw him live twice. Okay. I don't even remember what I wrote. I obviously wrote a story. Right. I'd love to get a copy of it. This had to be whenever that was said. I had to have been seventy seven ish, seventy eight ish. I have to look this up when I'm done. Yeah. But that was, I mean, just being in his presence. And then again, like I said, I saw him at the uh, regional final in Phoenix right. in uh, 2012 or 2013. Uh, he was, you know, generational hero, man. It's uh, courage, guts, the whole thing. Man. I'll tell you a quick, quick story. You talk about being scared. So I go, I'm a 12-year-old kid, and we go, I think it was before the first Spinks fight. We're in Miami. He's at the Fifth Street gym. And we find out open practice so we can go watch him spar. And we walk in and it was uh, the group that I went with. My grandfather who had the house down in Miami Beach. Uh, my brother is with me and our neighbor from next door who we just happened to be playing in the yard with. Like, hey, let's go watch Muhammad Ali spar. So we go and they tell us, you know, in no uncertain terms, don't make any noise while the champ is working out, blah, blah, blah. So I'm, you know, he's pummeling his sparring partner and I'm a huge fan. And I'm like, kill him, champ. And he stops dead in his tracks, and he comes over to the edge of the ropes. He goes, who's talking? And everybody backs away, and there I am, you know, the the lone cactus in the desert. He's like, was that you? I said, yes, sir. He goes, didn't they tell you not to talk? I said, they did. He goes, so why are you talking? I'm like, I'm really sorry. I won't let it happen again. He came over to us afterwards, and he goes, where's that kid I yelled at? I'm like, that was me, sir. He goes, yeah, I was just kidding around. And he took a picture with us. 
Nice. And I still have it. He, he had, uh, I think it was his left arm over my shoulder, and I was wearing this dopey, again, this is late 70s, I'm wearing this dopey shirt with my name in basically like glitter letters. Oof. But it's the only shot you I have still, with the guy. You should you should blow that up to about 11 by 14. Well, here's a funny story. I gave the enlargement, because we had the originals of Polaroid. I gave the enlargement to Pat Harris. I said, you're going to see him again before I will. Do me a favor, get this signed. So Pat walked around with it in his work bag probably for 20 years. And when he and Diane had to move to Tennessee, he's going through all his old stuff, and he sends me this envelope. I have no idea. And I open it up, and he's got a little post-it attached. He goes, I'm sorry, I couldn't get it signed. Oh, my God. So I had the enlargement, and then I ran into uh, Layla a couple of years ago. And I was going to get her to do it, and she's he's not really signing things very much anymore. And I said, all right, just... Bring it to him. I want him to have it. So I still have some of the copies, and I still have the original floating around somewhere. This nice. Oh God, I six Polaroid. That's. But yeah, but he scared the crap out of me. They were just big, right? Yeah, 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 little things. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure I pooped my pants that day when he yelled at me. (laughs) You wouldn't be the first or the last. Yeah. No, he was a he was a scary scary guy. But he, you know, teddy bear, just an absolute teddy bear. Um, so this is play-by-play with me, and I know a lot of people are spending time cooped up inside playing games. What's your favorite board game, Dave Sims? Wow, I haven't played board games in a long time. Took much of my wife's chagrin. Um, we, we used to we used to play a lot of. Uh, I can oh god, we played Candyland back in the day. Obviously Monopoly, and then go way back with Shoots and Ladders. And I think we had with our one of our granddaughters. I think we gave her. Uh, oh. Uh, guess who? Uh, okay. the, the card game. You have mm-hmm. to, yeah, so she, my wife does that pro- almost every day with our oldest granddaughter, who's mm-hmm. coming up on three. Um, board game. I, you know, I when I was a kid growing up in Philly, we we had our, our baseball dice game. We also had a game made by Tudor, that was probably two by about four. It had the plat the metal men that were. You know, frozen yeah. in time like uh-huh. this, and they had this little fork thing that pitched a, a baseball okay. with the magnetic on it. Right, we played that like crazy. I had the hockey one. I still have the puck. It's like a little ball bearing <clears throat> puck. I used to love those board hockey games. I I, I once I one time spent like four hundred dollars short on a wood one. It was an unbelievably highly crafted one, mm-hmm. and I, I don't remember what the hell it is now. <laughs> but I used to love those those table hockey games. Unbelievable! Listen, with, I appreciate the, the time. Levers and everything. Yeah, yeah, I, I really do. I appreciate the time. I'm glad we got to do this. I'm sorry it had to be under these circumstances. Um, when we get the all clear, we're no longer quarantined. Aside from getting some fresh air in New York City and getting your butt to wherever the Mariners are going to start the season, what's the first thing you're going to do? I almost want to go out and kiss home plate. <laughs> to be honest with you, it's like, we're back. <laughs> You know, it, it's going to be great. You won't even, the other thing, too, it's interesting. You're reading around and you see all these, these you know, with the advisors. You can't, you know, you still don't want to, you know, get fist bumps or, or yeah. high fives or daps or anything like that. It, it's going to be interesting. So, hey, uh, that, that's the least of our worries. Let's just, you know, hope that whoever, whoever the next Jonas Salk is, hopefully he or she is going to be successful and successful real soon. You know, it's funny you mentioned him. I, I, said to my wife the other day, I'm ashamed having grown up in a town that had a Jonas Salk middle school 
that I only know about the polio vaccine, but I don't know how long it took him to develop it. Because I figure that's if we can find question, out, what was the yeah, I, I, did, I forgot to look it up. So as soon as we're done here, that's my next stop. And I'll put it out. Yeah, on shoot me a social text media. on that one. Yeah, I, I don't know that answer either. I'll put it on Facebook and Twitter, wherever else. And I'll text it to you if I can find it, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, it occurred to me, obviously, the technology now, as opposed to when he was developing the, the polio vaccine is a lot different. And it shouldn't, you would think, take that long. But who knows? That's the hope. Know, science doesn't yeah. play by our rules. No, not at all. No, I, you know, getting it done yesterday, no, that doesn't apply. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Hey, last yeah. thing, um, your, your thoughts on this plan, if they do have a season and to play everything in Arizona? It'll be awfully hot in Arizona, boy. I'll tell you what, we're going to be a buck 15, middle of June through August. Yeah. Um, and not every game is going to be able to be played at Chase Field. And that's a little daunting. No, that's a lot, a little daunting. That's a lot daunting. And, um, yeah. The other thing too, I mean, you're gonna have to test everybody. You know, we're, you know, we're not testing enough as it is. So right. now you you're gonna have a traveling party. You know, you're gonna have a hundred, you know, staff, uh, players, coaches, administrators in a hotel. We'll be in one hotel, maybe sharing it with another team. Every where we gotta get tested every day. You know, before we leave the ball, you know, leave the hotel, going into the ballpark. And if one person gets it, then we have to shut the whole thing down. Yeah. Um, it, it's, there's so many, I mean, I believe me, I want to come back as badly as, as, as anybody and hope that some kind of plan that's workable. But as I, I keep saying, until Dr. Fauci says all clear, man, I'm, I'm going to sit tight. Yeah. Now we heard earlier in the week, 27 major league teams, 10,000 employees, including the players. I don't know if the Mariners are involved. I guess I should ask you, do you have any knowledge? Have you been asked to take any of these, uh, antivirus, uh, or antibody tests? Uh, not uh i haven't checked my email in the last couple hours i don't know i haven't seen anything but uh I, you know I haven't, I haven't heard anything in that regard believe me uh if if they did i probably would have gotten a call by now time, you know at this time of day i'd have, I'd have gotten a call by now yeah well listen until we get the all clear stay well keep the family well i appreciate you doing this um this has been a blast i can't wait to see you in person finally yeah again. same here appreciate it man thanks so much that's dave sims oh, i'm mark Renee. hey dave thanks so much for taking some time to play by play with me you're very welcome mark